For those of you that don't know, I am not the usual pastor here. Um, humble servant filling in. Tom, with the wedding coming up, um, has obligations this weekend and obviously next weekend. So um, he's got a, a couple weekends off there, and we're just trying to fill in. Let's start in prayer this morning. That's always a good way to start. I need it. We probably all do. And we'll go from there. Father, we just thank you for being able to be here, Lord, to, to worship you, to serve you. Um, God, we open our hearts up this morning, Lord, that you will just speak to us, that we might not leave here unchanged, Lord, or with the same heart. Lord, the excitement for those kids that they get to serve, that they get to do things, that they're, they're going up to learn about you right now. God, I just, I pray that you can revive our hearts, Lord. Speak into them. Give us that heart for your community. Give us that heart for the ones around us, Lord. Father, here we are. Um, we're anxious to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I can do it in the dark. That's fine. Doesn't there we go. All right. <laughs> so for the f last few weeks, we've been in our iPhone series. We started that at the college service. We've kind of been going through what your phone says about you, right? Today's title is My Phone is Blowing Up. Who's trying to get a hold of me and why? For what? Right? Now, I, I'm a plumber. I work out of cell service a lot. We do Lake City. We do Creed. We do St. Elmo and Salida sometimes. Um, I work out a cell service, right? Disconnected from the world until I return, right? For, for a while, it's peaceful. It's nice. The phone's not ringing. I don't have any service. I can focus on what I need to do until I get back into service. And my phone blows up. There'll be texts. There'll be messages. You know, the shop's trying to get a hold of me. Somebody else has something that's broken. My wife has a question about this or one of the kids needs to go here, Right? my phone absolutely blows up. Not all the time, but most of the time. Some days my only saving grace in that is that it's usually after five when I get back in and I know I don't have to get back in touch with those people until tomorrow, right? We'll focus on tomorrow's problems tomorrow. But in that, I play phone tag a lot, right? Someone will call me and I'll be busy. I can't answer or sometimes maybe I don't even want to. They leave a message, and then when, at my convenience, I'll call them back, but then they're busy and they can't answer, and I'll have to leave a message. We're busy people. Do you know that the turnaround time for a phone call anymore is about six hours? If you're lucky, right? But on average, the surveys that they've done, a text message will get a reply within four minutes, right? Now, that's kind of scary because I drive a lot, <laughs> You know people are replying. You've pulled up next to people that are doing this, you know, at the stoplight or around town. I wish I could say I wasn't one of them. I have before, right? Whatever we were doing, it doesn't take that much to get back to the person. Within four minutes on average, we can communicate without having to really deal with that person. We don't have to take time out of our day to call and answer, how are things going, blah, 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 right? few clicks of the thumbs, sent, we're done, we've answered the question, we're good. Without having to stop what we're doing to focus on dealing with another person. But how do we decide what's worth responding to? When you're driving, how do you decide what's worth responding to or what can wait until you get where you're going? 
Do we let the person wonder whether we got their text, whether we don't really care? Do we let it go off into the land of unanswered texts and die? Or do we reply? Does it depend on that person's status in our life, their importance, or how busy we are? Does that determine whether or not we take the call? Right? We live in a digital age. Now, caller ID is wonderful. But I know that I'm getting older. I might be dating myself here a little bit. I remember when we didn't have caller ID. I know, right? Wow. Tim, you probably remember when a phone was a rotary, you know? Yeah. So, life before caller ID. Most of the time, it didn't affect you much. When I started dating, though, you would call a young lady's house. They didn't have caller ID. You didn't know who you were going to get on the phone. It could be a sibling. It could be the person, hopefully, you're trying to get a hold of. Or it could be the dad. There were some awkward conversations there, right? But these days, most everyone has a phone, and it comes up, and it tells you who's calling right there. Before we ever have to answer the phone, and with a flip of our finger, we can decide yes or meh. Don't want to talk right now. I'm going to give you the finger. Not right now. I'm busy. Right? But what if God used your cell phone to get a hold of you? Life would be so much easier. Josh, I need you to do this. I need you to go here. Right? What's up? I haven't heard from you in a while. No, Josh, don't go that way. Right? He can look at the GPS. What are you doing? That's not where I need you to be. Life would be a lot less confusing. But how many of us would see that it was God calling and still decline? That silent finger. Not right now, God. I'm busy. We're always moving. We're always on our phones. The world is at our fingertips. Our phones have made life a lot easier in a lot of ways and harder in some. We're able to multitask, driving and texting. I mean, hey. You know, we're able to multitask, to be able to do more than one thing at a time. And sometimes that's a good thing. And others, well, I've got some video clips here. And it's going to be hard for you not to laugh, but I want you to see the people behind it. And in doing that, we might see ourselves, um, but they're people too. But go ahead and laugh because some of them are funny. How important is that call or that text? We're, you know, we can't even walk anymore, it seems like. We're more distracted with what's going on in the digital world than sometimes we don't even see the things around us. I mean, I don't know what's worse for those people that, you know, they were so occupied that that happened to them, or they're embarrassed and the other people were probably laughing at them, or that they got caught on tape and now they've gone viral, you know, because you know their friends are going, Hey, that, that's Marty. <laughs> Check that out. Because we live in a digital age, right? Everything's out there. And sometimes multitasking can be helpful, but sometimes I think we just need to put the phone down and focus on what's in front of us. Now, a few weeks ago, I was having trouble sleeping. I was waking up early in the morning. I couldn't figure it out. Why am I up at 3 o'clock in the morning? Wide awake, ready to go. And I was talking to a friend who was having similar problems. And so we decided to pray for one another, and 
thinking, God, I, I, I just want to be able to sleep through so I don't crash at two in the afternoon because I've been up since three in the morning. And it's funny, I, I laughed out loud because the response I got from God while we're praying and while we're doing this, it just, it made me laugh. <laughs> and, and it was as clear as day. I was like, Josh, okay, you're praying for sleep, but you've been so busy, you never have time for me. Doesn't sound kind of like your wife or your kid. You never have time for me. The only time you slow down long enough is when you're asleep. I'm waking you up that maybe you can hear me calling. Maybe you'll open my word or listen for my voice. And that's what my life had become, right? Too busy for God. He's rousting me from sleep just to try and get a hold of me. Because during the day, I give him that finger, that silent. Not right now, God. I'm busy. And sometimes we know our lives are not necessarily pleasing to God. We keep ourselves so busy and so stimulated with activities, with sights, with sounds, all day long until we fall into bed exhausted. And then we get up and we do it all over again. Right? Just so we don't have to hear God calling. Or if we do hear Him, we mute Him. We give Him that slide of the finger. Not now. I'm busy. But Jesus knew how important in talking to God was to unplug and to get away from it all so he could talk to his father, to connect to the true source of power. We get so upset anymore when we can't connect to the internet, no cell service. We're isolated. We get upset. It's the worst thing ever. Oh, my goodness. I can't see what others are doing. When was the last time you remembered where your true strength, where your true connectivity came from? right? When was the last time you got connected to that true source of power? Jesus knew he need, needed this, and he did it. Let's look at Mark one thirty-five. This is Jesus. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed, and he went out to the desolate place, and there he prayed. All right? He got up early. He went out and did it. We go on to Luke 5.16. Jesus would withdraw to the desolate places to pray. He had crowds gathering around him. This one in Luke. The multitudes are coming. They're thronging, you know. He's feeding multitudes. He's, he's preaching. He's expounding. But every so often, he had to get away from the world, and he had to go connect. He would withdraw to the desolate places and pray. He often withdrew from the world to get reconnected to his father. Many things clamor for our attention, and we run ourselves ragged attending to them. But our strength comes from God, and we can only be strengthened by spending time with Him. Jesus knew this, and He went off to the quiet places to reconnect, to pray to His dad, to disconnect from the world and reconnect with God. The question that was asked of me when I was <laughs> losing sleep how often do I? We're busy. We multitask. We're so busy on our phones, we can't see the cars, the stairs, the water fountains. We get busy, right? And I went, yeah, God, but on my phone, I pop up, I unlock. I've got the verse of the day right in front and center of my phone every day. So if I don't have time for the word or time for Jesus, I've got the verse of the day, right? I can feel good about myself. I've been in the word but I'm still giving God the finger of silence when he asked me to act upon it. 
I walk away unconnected, and I get on with my busy day. Now, a while back, there's a commercial we probably all know. It was meant to show how, particular, uh, show how big a particular cell provider was, how amazing their coverage was, how you could be connected anywhere, anytime. It's a question, though, that has a deeper meaning if you let it soak in. I'll refresh your memory. Let's do that second one. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? How do you build America's Good. largest wireless network? Can you hear me now? Good. By never being satisfied. Can you hear me now? Good. Until no matter where you go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Your call goes through. Can you hear me now? Good. Verizon Wireless, we never stop working for you. We never stop working for you. Let that sink in. Can you hear me now? You can get connected to God anywhere, anytime, right? The biggest wireless network, he's already got it. Imagine God calling this out. Can you hear me now? We're too busy to stop and listen. Can you hear me now? But God is there 24-7 waiting to hear from you. He's always available. He's always waiting to hear from us, to hear your voice, your heart. Always want to tell you what you most need to hear. And most times what you need to hear is you're loved. Hey, I love you. I've got this. I've got you. Trust me. I never stop working for you. But so often we don't so often we don't dial. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> See? He's calling right now. <laughs> so often we don't dial when he calls us. It might even be a wake-up call. And he knows you and he wants to hear from you. Yes, you. Regardless of where you are in life, he wants to hear from you. In Isaiah 43.1, says this, But now says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, the one that made you, the one that formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. He calls you by name. He knows you. He's the one that created you, the one that formed you. Fear not, I have redeemed you. He's already paid the price. I've called you by name. You are his. He knows you personally. So when the call comes in, you have to answer personally. I want to answer that call, but so often I don't. How do we? Right? We're busy. My mind is focused on a million other things. Here's another example of Jesus calling. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 3. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord. Okay, I want to stop right there. They're sleeping right? 
they're sleeping. Now, I don't want to compare myself to Samuel, but maybe even back then they were a little busy during the day and they couldn't hear God calling. Or maybe God just likes using nighttime. And I think it's because it's when we're relaxed. It's when we're most open. It's when we finally slow down enough, our brains start slowing down from the things of the day, right? They were sleeping. And then verse four through seven. And the Lord called to Samuel and he said, here I am. And so Samuel got up and he ran to Eli and he's like, you called me. Eli says, I didn't call, go back to bed. So he does. Verse six. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And so Samuel went up, he went into Eli. What do you want? I'm trying to sleep. Eli's like, it wasn't me. So a third time, here I am, you called me. Go lay down. Go back to bed. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And this is, this is kind of a key verse. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He didn't know how to listen to God. He didn't know God. But he's still getting up. The Lord does it again in, in verse 8. This time he goes into Eli and he says, okay, you're waking me up. What's the deal? And Eli finally comes out of sleep enough and says, you know, I bet it's God. Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. And therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Other translations have speak for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down again. And the Lord came again. And he called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel finally said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. How many times does God have to call us? Right? Samuel finally got the message, and this was his reply. Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. Here I am. But he didn't know it was the Lord. Right? He just, multiple times. Okay, what do you want? You keep waking me up. No, no. It's the Lord calling. And you can just see the change in his demeanor. Here I am. Your servant is listening. Jesus knows you, and he calls you by name. You are his, but we're busy. No time now. Or maybe we don't know that it's God calling. But how should our response be when God does make that call? How do we pick up the phone? We don't give them the silent finger, right? So we're going to look at some verses in Mark now. Mark 1, 16 and 17. This is when Jesus calls the disciples, okay? And said, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. So you got two brothers. They're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now these nets, usually about 20 feet around with rocks on them. You threw them out, the rocks sank. You know, and you pulled it back in, the rocks came together, you pulled all the fish back in. In verse 17, and Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He sees Simon and his brother casting a net into the lake. And Mark tells us that Simon and Andrew were fishermen. I imagine they were pretty good fishermen. I can think of 
a Ryan and a Robbie here that probably fall in the same category. Pretty good at what they do, right? And Jesus walks up and he sees them casting their net into the lake. And he gives them this call. Come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Now the call had two parts to it. The first was come and follow me. When Jesus called the disciples, he called them to follow him. It was not a call to follow a religion or a set of teachings or a way of life even, but to follow a person. And that's still true today. Christianity is not about a religion. It's not about a building. It's about a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible contains lots of teaching and instruction for life, but none of it matters apart from the person of Jesus Christ. If you take Jesus away, you don't have Christianity. So Christianity, first and foremost, means following Jesus. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? For his disciples, it was very clear. I mean, Jesus is standing right in front of them. It meant you followed him, right? You followed him around. Where you walked, where he walked, you walked. Where he went, you went. What does it mean for us today to follow Jesus? It's not the same as Twitter or Facebook. Twitter, those are services that allow you to follow other people online from a distance as they post things throughout the day. Right? It's a simple and pain-free way to keep up with friends, relatives, maybe even people you don't know. But following Jesus doesn't simply mean keeping up with him or checking in on him from time to time to see how he's doing. Following Jesus is the call to discipleship, right? It means that you put Jesus first, that you give him your complete loyalty, obedience, your complete trust. You reorient your entire life around Jesus. Where he goes, you go. He is your Lord, and he calls you to follow him. Come follow me is a simple call, but it's absolute. There's no wiggle room. Come follow me. You're either a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not. The second part of his call is the reason why Jesus calls you to follow him. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus uses fishers of men as a wordplay with Simon and Andrew because they were fishermen. They were catching fish. From now on, they're going to catch men. Right? The call to follow Jesus includes a call to bring other people to God. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So if you're following Jesus, you're going to join him in that important task. If that's the call, then what should our answer be? We'll look at Mark 1, 18. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. They didn't hit the silent button. Immediately. They didn't give him the finger. No, not right now. They immediately answered his call. Remember, Mark says when Jesus saw them, they were casting their nets out. It doesn't say anything in here that he waited and let them bring them back in or waited for them to sell their fish. They never brought their nets back in. They left them in the ocean, full of fish or not. They just left them and they followed Jesus. They responded immediately. 
They didn't ask, well, what's my pay going to be? What kind of benefits are you offering? You know, I like my time off. You got um, sick leave or paid vacation? They didn't even ask what I'm going to eat or drink. They left their nets and they followed him. Jesus calls, they answer, leaving net, fish, and everything, and they followed him. If you go on a little further, Mark 1, 19 and 20, Jesus walks down the road a little bit, and he sees James, son of Zebedee, and John, who are in their boat, mending their nets. More fishermen, but hey, you're on, you're on the sea, right? And immediately he called them. And their response was, they left their father and the hired hands in the boat and just left. Right? Even their father. They answered immediately when God called. Sometimes I think I let the call go to voicemail way too much. Or I give God that silent finger. It's a lot to digest this morning. <laughs> When I, when I start setting up for messages, a lot of times I end up with two or three that go off in different directions, and they just kind of blend well together. It's a hard truth, but we need to ask ourselves, if we're sitting here this Sunday, if we're really Christians, a Christian follows Jesus. That's the call. And if we're not doing that, then what are we doing? God's kingdom is meant to be shared. He wants every one of his children home. Every one of them. And I know this because he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for sin. For mine, for yours, for everyone's. And he gives us the chance to be with him again. I mean, can you picture Christ seated on the right hand of God, perfect in all his ways, stepping down and coming to a broken world. And saying, you're worth it. Going to the cross and dying for us. Being risen again to the right hand of God. He loved me that much. And if someone is willing to do that for me, if he loves me that much, why don't I pick up the phone when he calls? Why don't I answer? Can you hear me now? So let's recap this morning. I'll give you some bullet points to take home. We might have to unplug or disconnect from the world to connect to God. How often do you turn off your phone or the TV? Are you ever just still and listen? Do you open his word and say, Lord, speak to me through your word? If you have to go to a solitary place, I mean, Jesus, he left the crowds. He went out into the middle of nowhere. We're Gunnison. We're kind of a middle of nowhere. If you need to go out, do it. Go out to the solitary places. Make time and say, like Samuel did, here I am, God. Your servant is listening. All right? Bullet point number two, he calls you by name and he knows you. He's the one that created you. He formed you, right? He loves you, and he calls you by name. It's a personal relationship. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. And he wants to hear from you. 
He's available 24-7. He's always there waiting to hear from you. Pick up the phone. Say, oh, I don't know how to dial. I don't know how to call. I don't know. I got things in my life I just can't get past. Right? You don't know how to speak to God or you're waiting to hear his call. His word, he uses that so often to speak to us. Right? If you have things you're wrestling with and you just don't know how to deal with, we've got a set of Bible emergency numbers, right? When you have worry, when you're in danger, when God seems far away, when your faith seems small, when you're lonely, a list of all things that you might be dealing with in your life and addresses in his word for you to pick up and dial them up. There's copies of these. They'll be out on the seat out front. You know, the, the title of the message is, Who's Trying to Blow My Phone Up? But I want to flip that on its head, right? We've got the numbers. We can call anytime he's there 24-7. Let's blow God's phone up, right? Put it to the test. Give it back to God. Every little thing, every big thing, every detail in our life, every praise, every sorrow, Let's give it back to God and try and blow his phone up. He never stops working for you. Don't sit around waiting for God to call. Blow his phone up. He knows you by name. It's a personal relationship. You have to respond. Which brings us to bullet point number three. When God calls, answer the call. Respond immediately. Drop what you're doing to follow him. Are you a Christ follower or fill in the blank? It's back to the commercial. Can you hear me now? We never stop working for you.